0: Father's
1: lightsaber. What's lightsabers, precious?
0: Hello, and welcome to
1: What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopedia Podcast, where we waste time on fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Do you love... New York? New York, city where dreams are made of. Concrete jungle. I'm walking here. Yeah, that place.
0: Yeah. Do you like it? It's pretty cool, yeah. Okay, cool, because it's about to get even cooler. Tell me how. There is a Tolkien exhibit in New York at the Morgan Library and Museum. Wow. It is new. It is displaying a good deal of his maps, his manuscripts, his watercolors, his handwritten notes. And to get into the exhibit, you enter through the door of Bilbo Baggins' house, which is really cute. Oh, neat. Yeah. So actually, my Lord of the Rings bestie and I, uh, Teresa, have discussed going. We think we're going to go to this exhibit maybe in April? Cool. Possibly. And it runs up through May, let's see, 12th. All right. It just started this past Friday. Very good. It's up through May twelfth. So if you happen to be in the New York area, yeah, or you happen to be within traveling distance of the New York area, or you're just a huge Tolkien fan and you're willing to travel however far, admission is twenty two for adults and free for children under twelve. Do you look like you could possibly be under twelve? Then give it a shot. But where do I buy a pizza around here? I mean, like in
1: New York, literally anywhere. How about a hot dog while I'm looking at these Tolkien manuscripts? Literally hey, got a oh, I don't know that they'll let
0: you bring it into the museum.
1: Hey, come on, I'm eating hot dogs here. Eating a pizza, hey. You know, pizza. New York City! Sound
0: like a guy whose name is Rudy.
1: Greatest and city in the he world. Who runs
0: a hot dog stand.
1: Cause I do! Baba boo, but I also love me some. Hobbits Hobbitses and stuff, yay. Yeah, there's nothing
0: more stereotypically <laughs> New York than loving Hobbits. Hey, I'm loving Hobbits here.
1: So anyway, that's my Lord of the Rings news. Do you have any Star Wars news? Well, the thing about Star Wars news right now is that it is all like, what could happen in episode nine? Because apparently the teaser trailer is going to drop pretty soon. Okay, when? Like, how soon is soon? They're thinking maybe at the Super Bowl. They're okay. i thinking maybe around that time. The only story I found that was kind of interesting, just because it kind of speaks... You know, to like all the secrecy and stuff around Star Wars, is uh, Richard E. Grant has finished all of his shooting. Okay. E- episode 9. He was talking about it on the radio. Do you know Richard, Richard E. Grant? Is he the director? No, he's an actor. You might know him best as uh, Clifford from Spice World. Clifford.
0: Or, or he's in, have you
1: seen the movie with nail and i i have not but i have seen clifford with nail and i it's him and paul mcgann and paul pa- mcgann is
0: in the eighth doctor the
1: eighth doctor paul mcgann and they go on like this weekend retreat where he is an absolute monster Richard I mean,
0: Clifford can't. is also an absolute monster. It's a
1: wonderful film. Anyway, he's got a part episode nine as a new character, but he was talking about how secretive it is to work on the set of this movie. And first of all, he says he thinks fans are really going to like it. It goes some really crazy places. He doesn't expect people will expect to see coming. But he talked about, a little bit about how, like, you get in and out. He says, they don't give you a script. You have to go to a room where there are bodyguards outside, closed circuit television cameras, and it's printed on crimson pages so you can't photograph it. You have to read it in there and then leave. You're given the pages the day that you work, and you have to sign for them and sign out for them as well. There's security guards all over the set. Wow. They got it locked down tight? They give you a cloak over your head because apparently the drone's going over Pinewood Studios, so they try to take photographs of people are playing. So anytime they have like a full makeup job on, they Uh put a cloak over their head while they're traveling outside.
0: Dude, but there's one thing. Did Richard E. Grant mention how long it can take a woman to have a baby in the 90s?
1: Well, you also have to factor in if there's a bomb on the bus. Well,
0: if there's a bomb on the bus, then yeah, all bets are off. It could take any amount of time.
1: "Quote unquote news." Richard D. Grant got done filming, and he had a secret time at Pinewood Studios. Neato. Yeah, pretty neato.
0: Cool. Today's episode is called The End of All Things.
1: Oh no, is this the finale of season two already? It actually is. No, it is not. I'm oh. really jumping the gun. Okay. But
0: starting next week, I want to dive back into Christopher Tolkien's The History of Middle Earth and continue discussing how Tolkien's concept of the Lord of the Rings changed as he was writing it, mm-hmm. like we were a few months back. But this week, uh, I want to focus on how Lord of the Rings changed over time, specifically how the story's ending changed over time.
1: Which one? There's like nine of them. <laughs> It just keeps going on and on. You never know when it's going to end. I was like, jeez, is this another trilogy of movies? Or am I watching the end of this third one? Like, you want to see a great movie, go see The Last Samurai. Don't even... That's, some, <laughs> that's something somebody said what? to
0: me. That's something somebody said to me when Return of the King came out. What a
1: dick. They told me that I shouldn't watch Return of the King because The Last Samurai is better. The yeah, Last Samurai is fine, but Return of the King is a superior film in every way. I, I mean, in every way, shape, and form. Yeah. It doesn't have Tom Cruise. Criminy. Or, or white guys saving... The Japanese. Well, Tom Cruise is kind of short. He could play a Hobbit. You know, you without any, could. without any of the camera tricks either. What he is did, he like? 5'7"? seven? He's like three feet tall. You could probably put him. In <laughs> he's like st- three feet tall. Yeah. He,
0: you don't even need to do force perspective. No, 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 no,
1: no. You just be on set. It'd be perfect. He's not
0: even tall enough to sit a horse.
1: Yeah. All those action scenes he does in Mission Impossible, he is on very high stilts.
0: Yes. The, the way the man can run on stilts. He's talented. Is it true that like he gets hired a lot because he he looks very good running he looks cool and like running. a lot of people do not look cool running? He makes a
1: great run face. Yes.
0: But he is also diminutive guy. Elfin three foot tall man. Yep. Anywho so regarding the ending right so there are people who quibble over whether the scouring of the Shire really adds anything to the end of the story but overall I think Tolkien really sticks the landing with this epic. The fact that Frodo does fall to the ring and that poor wretched Gollum ends up being the one to destroy it. This after Gandalf mentions hundreds of pages earlier that something told him Gollum still had a part to play Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is a really excellent way of bringing things full circle. Yeah it's nice. And plus it showcases the the surprising level of moral ambiguity that Tolkien brings to what is sometimes unfairly characterized as a black and white story.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My
0: opinion has always been it is not at all, but it is characterized that way. Anyway, like, after that, having Frodo then develop PTSD and have to leave Middle Earth in search of relief is also very fitting, considering everything he's been through. (laughs) It's also very poignant in light of Tolkien's own experiences during World War One, and I would argue that it's like more realistic than endings where everybody just lives happily ever after no you're gonna be messed up after seeing yeah. stuff like that I
1: like when books kind of go off that you know go off that, that well
0: I remember The Hunger Games did something very oh, similar yeah, it yeah. ended with both main character well main character plus main love interest being like extraordinarily traumatized messed
1: up as they should be
0: as they should be after all that right Moreover, having the Lord of the Rings end on Sam returning to his cozy family in the cozy shire and pick up his daughter Eleanor and say, well, I'm back, is like pretty iconic (laughs) to my way of thinking. It's extremely understated. And restrained in a story not always known for its understatement and restraint, especially when viewed through the lens of Peter Jackson, who's another guy not known for restraint. Yeah, he's he's over the top. Um, It's also perfectly bittersweet in the way that it balances Sam's loss of Mr. Frodo with the happy, loving family he has waiting for him at home. Sure. And even after all that trauma, there's still hope that Sam can live a happy, normal life. So all that, what I just said, makes Tolkien's original ideas for the ending that much weirder. Mm -hmm. Um, In a letter to his son, Christopher, Tolkien described his proposed ending to the Lord of the Rings. So he starts with the following. Book five, and last, opens with the ride of Gandalf to Minas Tirith, with which the Palantir, last chapter of book three, closed. Some of this is written or sketched. Then should follow the raising of the siege of Minas Tirith by the onset of the riders of Rohan, in which King Theoden falls. The driving back of the enemy by Gandalf and Aragorn to the Black Gate. The parley in which Sauron shows various tokens, such as the Mithril coat, to prove that he has captured Frodo, but Gandalf refuses to treat. A horrible dilemma all the same, even for a wizard. Then we shift to Frodo and his rescue by Sam. So, okay. okay. So, so far, so good. Yeah, right? This a good story, yeah. So, that's pretty much like what ended up in the final version mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. But then Tolkien writes this. With the destruction of the ring, the exact manner of which is not certain. All these last bits were written ages ago, but no longer fit in detail, nor in elevation, for the whole thing has become much larger and loftier. Baradur crashes, and the forces of Gandalf sweep into Mordor. Frodo and Sam, fighting with the last Nazgul on an island of rocks, surrounded by the fire of the erupting Mount Doom.
1: Whoa. Yeah. That's way different. Yeah,
0: pump the brakes there, J.R.R.
1: I guess he's gonna say, Trotter pops out and kicks him with his wooden shoes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or like straight up like murders him with like a a semi-automatic yeah 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 what he's done what Tolkien's done he's basically taking the end of Lord of the Rings from from this
1: (laughs) to this When did they get the hover cars? (laughs) I'm sure that was like the next line. Oh, okay, okay. I
0: I didn't see the rest of this letter, but I'm sure that's the very next thing he said. They jump into hover cars. They are racing in 360 degrees around a pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah, don't kidding. That's a kidding. That's a big shift in tone. That's a
0: big tonal shift, right? I, by the way, total side note here. The Tolkien letter I just read from is obviously a primary source, so that's okay. But the article in which I found it quoted end up being on sort of a sketchy site. So oh. it took me a minute to realize because this particular article isn't sus, but all the articles linked on the side really are. So for example, here are some of the titles. Physician says American children are immersed in a culture of disrespect.
1: That sounds like baby boomers.
0: I.e. my kids are globalist cucks. Who didn't invite me to Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Why are so many female teachers sleeping with students? Probably because we don't have parent schools, am I right? (laughs) Like, probably. Hold on. Like, probably. What is this site? And then here's the best one. Five causes of the Civil War, parentheses, besides slavery. Excuse me? And by best, I mean, oh, kill me. What's this site about? What's this Okay, so the site is called Intellectual Takeout, a refuge for rational discourse. (laughs) This is those guys who are like, debate me, debate me. And it's about page says that Americans are more divided than ever, not because of the way politics is working in our modern age, but because people are afraid to express their opinions,
1: quote, lest we be ostracized, threatened, filed, or even physically assaulted. Oh, it's so hard wearing my MAGA hat around Uh-oh. and having to worry about people calling
0: me a Oasis. Actually, also, uh, Rational Discourse is breaking down because of a breakdown in Family and Faith. Oh, plus, the site is apparently run by the Charlemagne Institute, an organization that is, quote, laying the intellectual groundwork for a great awakening based on the West's Judeo-Christian Greco-Roman tradition.
1: Have you felt it? There's been an awakening. <laughs> of judeo-christian greco-roman traditions
0: <laughs> so, it's just like dog whistles on top of dog oh, whistles dude. like you were whistling every dog not just in your neighborhood but in like the tri-state is this, area is this article legit this article is
1: okay this you, particular you article check, you? yeah i double checked okay. the letter
0: but what i'm just saying is be careful out there i mm-hmm. wish i could say this was a one-off in terms of tolkien fans who are clearly alt-right
1: or at least like very super racist But it's not. There's there's probably a few of them out there, right? There's more than a few. Anywho. Really? Yes. Are you one?
0: No. Okay. Setting that aside, I think we can all thank our lucky stars that Tolkien didn't end his book with Frodo and Sam fighting a literal shadow lord while surrounded by surging rivers of lava. That's
1: goofy, man. I don't think they should fight. They're not fighty boys. No.
0: They've already been through enough by that point, for one. Yeah. For two, Frodo's arc has been characterized primarily by internal conflict, and it seems more fitting that once the source of that conflict is removed, he's free. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: For three, fantasy is already good enough in inspiring heavy metal album covers, so, like, you don't need to lean into it that hard, J.R. I think he was thinking about
1: that? He's like, someday (laughs) just Will inspire a genre of music titled Heavy Metal. As well as a band called Lead Zeppelin! They will write many songs about my work. A preposterous
0: <laughs> name, for no Zeppelin made of lead can ever fly aloft. Preposterous! Anyway, so as tonally inappropriate as some of Tolkien's original ideas may have been, others were actually tonally on point and really sweet. Okay. To boot. So, for example, there is a lost epilogue to Return of the King that I just recently read, and it is absolutely
1: heart-melting. Did you read it on that alt-right intellectual site? Christ, no. Okay. As
0: soon as I saw the articles linked on the side, I was like, nope.
1: Nope. (laughs) 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 Get me out of here.
0: Get me out of here. Abort. I don't feel safe. Now, there are two versions of this epilogue. The first one shows us Sam talking to all his kids around the fire well i mean like the seven that are born right so eleanor frodo rose mm-hmm, mary mm-hmm. pippin ham and daisy and five-year-old goldilocks is around two but she's gone to bed okay so so sam has eight kids all together at this point out of a grand total of 13
1: yeah i forgot he had so many babies tons
0: tons 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 he didn't know how to wrap it up <laughs> eleanor is in her teens but everyone else is pretty little and Sam is reading to them from the Red Book, i.e. the book in which Bilbo and Frodo recorded all their adventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this first version is a lot of back and forth between Sam and his kids, with Mary bragging about how his namesake is so tall, mm-hmm. and Pippin bragging about how his namesake is even taller, and Eleanor talking about how she wants to go to Lothlorien and see her namesake, i.e. the flowers that grow there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eleanor also asks if Legolas ever hangs out with Treebeard, which is like sort of a random question,
1: but hey. And Ham's like,
0: when do I come in? Damn, damn, yeah, you don't. I'm sorry. Poor ham. Wouldn't you guys eat ham in the story? <laughs> yeah, they You know they probably did
1: something. Yeah, I know. but that's still
0: not a very inspiring. <laughs> talk anywhere. about the ham daddy! I'm assuming he named him after his dad ham fast. No, assuming. talk about the ham daddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> <there's>, ham story, please. <laughs> one really cute part where Mary and Pippin complain that they have to go to bed earlier than their older siblings, and Sam replies, Don't talk like that to me. If it ain't fair for Ellie and Fro to sit up after supper, it ain't fair for them to be born sooner, and it ain't fair that I'm your dad and you're not mine. So no more of that. Take your turn and what's due in your time, or I'll tell the king. King? Whereupon they all start freaking out about King Aragorn, and yeah, whether or not he's the gonna king. visit Bag End. <sighs> which, like... No, he's not going to visit back end. Like, get serious. Do you even know who he is? Like, he's huge deal. Newsflash.
1: Kids are dumb as hay. Newsflash, kids. You are way beneath him. I love you kids, but you also kind of dumb sometimes.
0: The epilogue then cuts to an evening sometime later when all the kids are in bed and it's just Sam and Rosie talking. And this is basically the sweetest damn thing in the world. So will you do some reader's theater with me?
1: Absolutely. I want you to be Sam. Is it sweeter than a birthday cake ice cream?
0: (laughs) Mmm.
1: With a cherry
0: on top. Um, I am with undecided little, with sprinkles that, and marshmallows. That's but I do know I want you to stop talking or die. Okay. One or the other. I'll die. Oh, okay, I'll die. So. <laughs> okay, right, okay, okay right. you're the narrator and also so, Rosie, yes. okay?
1: And I'm Sam? You are Sam. Okay, cool.
0: All the children were in bed. Lights were glimmering still in Hobbiton and in many houses dotted about the darkening countryside. Sam stood at the door and looked away eastward. He drew Mistress Rose to him and held her close to his
1: side. March 18th, this time seventeen years ago, Rosie Wife, I did not think I should ever see thee again, but I kept on hoping. And I never hoped at all, Sam,
0: until that very day, and then suddenly I did. In the middle of the morning I began singing and Father said, Quiet lass, or the ruffians will come. And I said, Let them come, their time will soon be over, my Sam's coming back. And he came.
1: I did. To the most belovedest place in all the world. I was torn in two then last. But now I am all whole. And all that I have and all that I have had, I still have.
0: Isn't that That's adorable. Isn't that so cute? Eh. And all that I have and all that I have had, I still have. Difficult to read, but very it's, it's sweet. A, it's a lovely
1: sentence, though, Tolkien. <laughs>
0: yeah, so it doesn't add too much to the story, but it's undeniably precious. <laughs> it's precious. Yeah, well, not that kind of precious. Now, the second version of the epilogue I actually like uh, better. Oh, so, really? There's two different versions. Yes. Yeah, so in yeah. this version, it's only Eleanor who's sitting up with Sam. Which is fitting because as the oldest daughter, Eleanor is sort of like Sam's confidant. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So
0: he passes down the Red Book to her when he leaves for Valinor and everything. So, uh, Anywho, in the second version of the epilogue, Sam is finishing up a little Q&A at the end of the Red Book. A little fact. He's writing a fact. <laughs> and Eleanor's kind of draping herself over him trying to get his attention. I have another reader's theater for us here.
1: This time you're going to be Eleanor.
0: i Eleanor. You're going to be Sam, if that's okay. Sure thing. Don't write anymore tonight. Talk to me, Sam Dad, said Eleanor. (laughs) Isn't that cute? What, Sam Dad? Sam Dad. It's really cute. It's kind of like how he calls his dad my old gaffer. Like, nobody in his family actually calls their dad, Dad. (laughs) Actually, I feel like in the very first version of this epilogue, they did call him Daddy, and I feel like Tolkien was like, Not folksy enough. (laughs) (laughs) Needs more folksy. Needs to be more rustic. And so he came up with Sam Dad. Sam Dad. Did she call her Rose Mom? No! (laughs) Actually, she does not seem to. Sam-dad. So I'm playing Sam-dad. You're playing Sam-dad. So, Don't write any more tonight. Talk to me, Sam-dad, said Eleanor, and drew him to a seat by the fire. Tell me! Tell me about Lorien. Does my flower grow there still, Sam-dad?
1: Well, dear, Celeborn still lives there among the trees and his elves. And there I don't doubt your flower still grows still. Though now I have got you to look at. I don't hanker after it so much.
0: But I don't want to look at myself, Sam-dad. I want to look at other things. I want to see the hill of Amroth where the king met Arwen, and the silver trees, and the little white Nifredel, and the golden Eleanor and the grass that is always green. And I want to hear elves singing.
1: Eleanor, I said the same when I was your age and long after it. There didn't seem to be no hope. Yet I saw them, and I heard them.
0: I was afraid they were all sailing away, Sam, Dad. that soon there would be none here, and then everywhere would be just places, and...
1: And what, Eleanor?
0: And the light would have faded. Eleanor was silent for some time before she spoke again. I did not understand at first what Celeborn meant when he said goodbye to the king, but I think I do now. He knew that Lady Arwen would stay, but that Galadriel would leave him. I think it was very sad for him, and for you, dear Samdad. Her hand felt for his, and his brown hand clasped her slender fingers. For your treasure went away too. I am glad Frodo of the Ring saw me, but I wish I could remember seeing
1: him. It was sad, Eleanor. It was, but isn't now. For why? Well, for one thing, Mr. Frodo has gone where the elephant light isn't fading, and he deserved his reward. But I've had mine too. I've had lots of treasures. I'm a very rich hobbit. And There is one other reason which I shall whisper to you, a secret I have never told before to no one, nor put in the book yet. Before he went, Mr. Frodo said that my time maybe would come. I can wait. I think maybe we haven't said farewell for good, but I can wait.
0: And when you're tired, you will go, Sam-Dad. You will go to the havens with the elves. Then I shall go with you. I shall not part from you like Arwen did with Elrond.
1: Maybe, maybe,
0: said Sam, kissing her gently.
1: And now, my dearest, I think it is time even a lass of fifteen springtime should go to her bed. And I have words to say to Mother Rose.
0: Eleanor stood up, passed her hand lightly through Sam's curling brown hair, already flecked with grey. Good night, Sam, Dad. But, but won't you show it to me first? I was going to say.
1: Show you what, dear?
0: The King's letter, of course! You've had it now more than a week! Sam went to the drawer, unlocked it, and took out a scroll and slipped off its case. It was written in two columns with fair silver letters upon black. He unrolled it and set a candle beside it on the desk so that Eleanor could see it. How splendid! I can read the plain language, but what does the other side say? I think it is
1: Elvish, but you've taught me so few Elvish words yet. Yes, it is written in a kind of Elvish that the great folk of Gondor use. I have made it out enough at least to be sure that it says much the same, only it turns all our names into Elvish. Yours is the same on both sides, Eleanor, because your name is Elvish. But Frodo is Heor-El, and Rose is Meryl, and Mary is Gellier, Pippin is Kordoff, and Goldilocks is Gorfiniel, and Hamfast is Beravorn, and Daisy is Irian. So now you know.
0: How wonderful! Now we've all got Elvish names. What a splendid end to my birthday. But what is your name, Sam-Dad? You didn't mention it.
1: Well, it's rather peculiar. For the elvish part, if you must know, the king says, Master Perhael, who shall be called Panthael. And that means, Samwise, what to be called fullwise. See, now I know what the king thinks of your old father.
0: Not a bit more than I do, Sam Dad. Perhael Adar, dearest.
1: Good night, Eleanor. Sleep now till the sun rises. You'll have no need of dreams.
0: Good night, Sam Dad. And don't work anymore, for I know what your chapter should be. Write down our talk together, but not tonight. She kissed him and passed out of the room, and it seemed to Sam that the fire burned low at her going. That's nice. Oh, Isn't that just like the tenderest father-daughter scene you've ever read?
1: Definitely. Like that's, it's beautiful. It's really sweet. It should have been in the
0: book. Yeah, so, so maybe I'm just kind of a sap but this is the sort of thing that got me so addicted to Lord of the Rings in the first place. Mm-hmm. The, the kind of thing I feel like a lot of modern fantasy or indeed modern writers generally neglect. So the strong and genuine ties of affection between the characters is so
1: important. People gotta show feelings for each other. They for, got... for a reader to care? Yeah, they have to. They okay. can't just be all cool quips and like we're only friends because we're teaming up together. Not that I like you anything which i feel like is the way like so much fiction has
0: has gone Mm -hmm. Uh, part of it i think is the rise of like anti-heroes yeah yeah yeah. you get these shows where these characters don't seem to care about each other so it's hard to care about them it makes them very unlikable (laughs) yes uh by the way this version ends somewhat similarly to the last one with sam and rosie's conversation but there's a final line appended to it which reads thusly they went in and sam shut the door But even as he did so, he heard suddenly, deep and unstilled, the sigh and murmur of the sea upon the shores of Middle Earth. That's nice. That's real good. That's real good. Like, it's a perfect reminder that while Sam's present is in the Shire with his family, his future is across the sea with Mr. Frodo. So I love that. That's great writing, yeah. I love that. I love that. I also love how even Eleanor calls Frodo Sam's treasure.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting.
0: That's very interesting. I guess she recognizes that. Yeah, my gay dad. My gay dad. If you want to interpret it that way, yeah, at the very least, my dad has a real
1: intense relationship with Mr. Frodo. My dad's bromance.
0: Bromance or romance, however you choose to read it. So, anywho, I feel like most of this episode has just been me waxing rhapsodic about how much I love Lord of the Rings, but I don't think that's bad, per se, because I spend a lot of time critiquing it, and I think it's good every once in a while to come back to why it holds such a, a special place in my heart to begin with.
1: It's okay to be sincere, Joanna. I feel like a lot of people are just poisoned by irony, and you don't need to be, you know? You
0: You're allowed to sincerely like things And sometimes. express
1: it without having to be all snarky and cool. Yeah,
0: and you can say when you think something is sweet. It's okay, and I think this is very sweet.
1: I mean, likewise, you can say something stupid, too, but, you know, you can be nice, too, at yeah. Times. yeah. Sometimes things are nice, and it's okay to acknowledge that they're nice. Absolutely Nice things. Nice part, Joanna. Nice These things were, are good. Thanks for telling me that nice story.
0: Yeah, Ryan. Now what do you have for me?
1: Well, you were talking about epilogues today, unused epilogues. Yes. And so I decided to pull a character that is unused as well in the current canon because she is purely an extended universe character. Oh. Written over in every way. Oh, if, I think I know who's gonna be. Who's it gonna be? Mara Jade? It's Mara Jade. It's Mara Jade! Yeah, do you know about Mara Jade? All I know is that at one point
0: I said to a previous roommate. Well, we don't know if Luke ever gets married. He's like, yes, we do. Her name is Mara Jade. And he was like super snarky about it.
1: He knew, I guess.
0: He knew. Not, not everybody knows that. I'm sorry. Not everybody has done anything more than watch the movie. Sorry
1: I didn't know that Luke gets married to Mara Jade, okay? I guess I mean, I'm an a-hole. You are jumping ahead a bit here. But Mara Jade is one of the biggest characters in the extended universe. An incredibly popular character with an extremely long Wikipedia article. Really? Incredibly long. She's she got that
0: much depth, huh? One of the
1: most commonly used characters. And so um, I want to kind of go over a brief biography of her, kind of fill you in on who this character is and why you should care that your roommate yelled at you like 10 years ago.
0: I mean, nothing you say will ever make me care that he yelled at me because he also called the police on me for touching his stereo.
1: So you'll find that- His opinion <laughs> will never matter. So you have- I'll kind of I to get your opinion here by the end. Like, Mara Jade, she's either really popular because she's actually a very cool, incredibly interesting character, or she's just a Mary Sue who's good at everything. So I want you to kind of figure this out with me as we go. Okay.
0: Do you have a firm opinion?
1: I do, but we'll talk about it at the end. Okay. It's not so much firm. It's kind of flimsy, but, you know, maybe I can agree with you by the end. Okay. So Mara Jade. Was at different times in her life an emperor's hand, a smuggler, and later a Jedi master who sat upon the new Jedi High Console. pretty cool so far. She's had a lot of jobs. Yeah, a of, yeah. A lot of dirty jobs. She's, She's had a, a very colorful life. She's like micro, dirty jobs. Micro, yeah. Yeah, she collects semen from cows. Micro, Ew. dirty jobs. She was born in 17 BBY, around the time Palpatine and Vader were running around trying to wipe out the last of the Jedi, the ones that escaped Order 66. The emperor found Jade and took her from her parents and borrowed to Coruscant at a young age to train in the Force because she was very strong in it. Though officially, she was brought in uh, as one of the imperial palace's official dancers.
0: Okay, because she's sexy, I guess.
1: She's like a, she's like a little kid. She's like a little kid, you know, wearing like you no know, dancing outfit, but
0: she was also very good at dancing, though. Right, very like... force sensitive, very good at dancing.
1: Right, and so okay. if, to anyone like grand moths who came by to visit, she was just like a little dancing teenager kid. Okay, right. They weren't pervert on her. They probably were, but she's tough. She could handle it. Okay. Her training regiment included espionage and assassination skills, which she was adept at by the age of 14. Oh, wow. She also was tasked with sparring against the Emperor's elite royal guards, those guys in the red armor. Holy cannoli. These are like the toughest guys.
0: As a 14-year-old girl. Imagine
1: the guys in The Last Jedi. Yes. That kind of fighting ability, and it's like a yes. 14-year-old kid has to fight them.
0: And looking at this picture that you have of her, she's you know, she's pretty petite. Yeah, she's not that big. She's not super muscular. All right, so so far the needle is heading more in the Mary Sue direction, but...
1: Yep. After a test, when she had to break into Grand Moff Tarkin's private quarters... Yes, wow. You know, he's got crazy security. He's a super paranoid guy. Yeah. She was able to break in and come back with one of his things. Uh, She was named the Emperor's Hand, which is one of Palpatine's personal assassins.
0: Whoa. And
1: she's also gifted a violet lightsaber.
0: Oh, like uh, Mace Windu. Yeah. She had it,
1: though, before Mace Windu was a thing. She did. Oh. Yes. Now, being an Emperor's Hand, it sounds cool. But it's actually a pretty lonely job. There are others, but as a rule, you're made unaware of any other Emperor's hands out there. You think you're the only one. So
0: she thought she was the only one.
1: Right. Thankfully, because of her connection with the Force, she was never really lonely, because Palpatine could talk into her mind at any time.
0: <laughs> that sounds like fun. Wow, nobody I want to be able to
1: just hit me up anytime sliding into my DMs at any moment any- anywhere, Palpatine. <laughs> anywhere in the galaxy you could hear that shrivelly old man. Cool! Isn't that great? So he gave her orders to fly around killing corrupt imperial officials, traitors, and defectors, and she did so with flying colors and a lightsaber. How old is she at this point? She's like a teenager. She's like maybe 17. Okay, okay. I have some
0: opinions about that, but I'll save them.
1: After the Battle of Yavin, the Emperor tasked Mara with keeping a close eye on Darth Vader. His weird obsession with Luke Skywalker made a her sense kind of a division in him. Okay. And she hoped that it would eventually cause him to betray the Emperor so she could kill him and take his spot as the right-hand man.
0: Wow, so she's kind of dark-sided at this point. Also, no. she's like, Why are you so obsessed with him? Are you crush on him or something?
1: Weird. Weird. Now, I don't think we noticed, but like, between this story and Tarkin's story and Prince Zizor's whole thing with the Emperor, the Emperor is a huge drama queen.
0: He really is. He, like, he he spreads down. Do you think he's doing it on purpose? Absolutely. Do you think he's, like, a messy bitch who lives for drama? He, he's a
1: messy bitch who lives for drama.
0: I think he does. I think he purposely, like, gathers up all these disciples and, then like, makes each one think that they his favorite,
1: you know, mm-hmm. and everybody has to try and win Daddy's approval. He makes sure everyone's a little bit emotionally unstable. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a given. Yeah, and then plays them on each other to power up their abilities, I think. The idea is it makes them more ruthless. It makes them more have more rage if they're a force user, so.
0: I'm starting to actually have, like, a little bit more respect for his, like, scheming ability because before I thought, like, his whole scheme basically revolved on Anakin being just, like, A dumbass. Yes.
1: You know, like, that's where he put,
0: like, it worked, but he put, like, all his eggs in that basket. (laughs) Like, what if that hadn't worked out? But now that I see that he has, like, multiple people that he's playing against each other, including Anakin. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Also, I'm pretty sure that this is, like, what a lot of cult leaders do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a cult of personality Palpatine. So, she's keeping an eye on Vader. After the Battle of Hoth, Palpatine also began to have concerns about the Skywalker boy. Like, Vader's, like, obsessed with him. He blew up our Death Star. Yes. This sucks. And so he sent Mara to Jabba's palace to await for his arrival, because he knew he was going to come there to try to get Han Solo. And she went disguised as a dancing girl named Erika. She didn't get very far, though. She was able to question C-3PO after he was pressed into Jabba's service and get some answers about Luke. But Jabba's security detail noticed and arrested her, thinking that she was there to assassinate, you know, Jabba the Hutt. Okay. Well, I mean, she's pretty shady. I mean, she's, she is
0: incredibly shady. I mean, she's just about as shady as any teen
1: can be, and right. teens
0: can be real shady. I mean, she's not a
1: teen at this point. This is uh... This is like. Oh, what is she?
0: Like twenty? Yeah, three
1: Aby. So oh, okay. Yeah, she's twenty. She used the force on her captors, forced them to shoot each other, and then fled through the vents of the palace, which is just in time to watch Luke fighting the Rancor.
0: Oh, okay. Of course, she has to be on the scene for that. Yeah. So did she see him? And instantly, she was like, "Haba
1: haba." No, she's just like. <sighs> dang I missed him because she was escaping through the vents she got caught okay she was supposed to keep an eye on him she wasn't actually supposed to kill him or anything
0: right and it wasn't love at first sight no by any stretch heavens no okay
1: from there she snuck out into the sail barge as it was taking off toward the great pit of carcoon yeah and Jabba immediately fired her because she tried to use the force on him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Java yeah. is of course immune to the force we know this from the movies
0: I mean it, it, I'm assuming it's a right to work situation
1: so he can fire you for basically any reason at all so he was he was, he was ge- trying to use the force I mean Java was generous he did not feed her to the great pit of Carcoon, he did not throw her into the sand although he, I
0: think you can also do that in the right to work
1: state I think you can, <laughs> <I think you laughs> <think you laughs> can Tatooine tat- 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 is it. a right to work state <laughs> yeah. so. so he sent her off in a landspeeder by herself and she had to go back to the emperor empty handed and a huge mission failed he was naturally displeased at her performance sure after that whole boondoggle on Tatooine. Yes. She was set on a little bit of an easier mission. She's going to go assassinate a guy who was trying to revive the late Prince Azor's Black son as a new organization called his, the Black Nebula.
0: His... Black son. Oh, Black Sun, the organization!
1: Oh, Joanna, my God.
0: I thought it was like, literally like, like Prince Azor had... Um, no, not even, I just thought like he had a son who was a person of color who died and then he was trying to revive him.
1: No, Prince Ezra's Black Sun Syndicate. (laughs) I love how we
0: talked about the Black Sun Syndicate for like six weeks and I still forgot
1: about it. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good follow-up to to Shadows of the Empire though. You can see the connection here. Yeah. Because after he died in the Skyhook, everyone else is trying to, to start it up again and this is one guy who's trying to do it and so she found that he was using like tons of decoys and she's like I probably have to kill all of these guys but I better check with the boss first yeah so she got the mind link up with the emperor and started talking to him but at that moment he allowed her to witness his destruction by Vader and Luke and the exploding second Death Star she called him at a really bad time (laughs) when people call me at a
0: bad time that's exactly how I react he's basically
1: falling down that shaft that Vader (laughs) threw him into
0: (gasps) I can't talk right now
1: So he, his last command reverberated through the force to her. You will kill Luke Skywalker. And so she was overcome by his death agonies because she was have this mind link with him. Yeah. He felt like she died as well. And so she was unconscious for several days after <laughs> she, that. Can you
0: imagine? Like, I think it's one of those things that, like, it's fine when you read it. But if you actually yeah. just saw it, it would be so stupid. Like, he literally answers his phone as he's falling <laughs> down of. <his> shaft. <laughs> well, shack. it's not even his
1: phone. It's in his head, right? Like, it's...
0: My, that's so It's dope. a mind link. It's just Hello? like...
1: Hello? <laughs> it's a psychic bond, right? Yeah. It's nuts.
0: I'll have to call you back!
1: <laughs> so when she came to, she was burning with the Emperor's rage and vengeance, and she set out to follow his final command. Unbeknownst to her, when the Emperor gave that command, he force implanted it into her mind, making it the source of her power and rage, and she couldn't get rid of it until it was complete. Oh. Yeah. Wow. However, with no Emperor around, the Emperor's hand title doesn't really mean anything. You know, as the Emperor's hand you get all this money, well, sure you get security, you get privileges, luxury. What's a hand without a
0: body? Exactly.
1: She's just she's like the thing from Adam's family. She's just walking around on her own. Yeah. Like greeting people at the door. So she was forced to work odd jobs to make money now. So she was a member of a swoop gang for a while, she was a mechanic for a time, and eventually she became a smuggler. So sorry, so she also knew how to drive a swoop bike and do mechanical stuff. She's force sensitive, you know, she can she's really Oh, good force at- sensitive I didn't realize
0: that force sensitive means you a good mechanic.
1: Well, force kids are always really good at flying <laughs> ships. I don't know if you noticed know in the movies. Like
0: Yeah, they are. Anakin
1: is, Rey is, Luke is. They're all, like, very good at ships. And so it's just because of reaction times and stuff.
0: Is it like um, Super Instinct in Dragon Ball?
1: It is. Ultra Instinct, yes. Ultra Instinct. They all go Ultra Instinct. Yes. Cool. So eventually she became a smuggler under this cool guy smuggler bear named Talon Card. Talon card? Wow! Does that guy sound cool? Well, Talon already sounds pretty cool. You know, like, Talon's like, ooh, Velociraptor, oh, he's gonna cut you. uh And the
0: card, like, he's such a card. So I'm guessing that he is, like, slightly roguish.
1: Oh, how'd you know? Um,
0: kind of a ladies' man. How'd you know?
1: And But also treacherous. You got it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yes. <laughs>
0: I can't decide mm. if that's great naming or terrible name. I, I really don't know. Sometimes it's great when the name kind of fits the person that well, well, and then sometimes it's like, well, it's a little on the
1: nose. His parents knew what kind of guy he was going to be. During this time, she also lost her cool violet lightsaber, Aww. which sucked.
0: Oh, did Mace Windu take it? No, yes. wait. It <laughs>
1: he got, came back from the dead. He got back from the dead, and he like Took literally
0: it. came out of a wormhole and caught it, and oh, he's dude. like, gotcha!
1: I just had a thought. What if the violet lightsaber that... that Palpatine gave her was Windows old lightsaber, because he did get his arm cut off it could and be, fell into the streets. It
0: could be, Oh Ryan. my god,
1: that'd be crazy, right?
0: That would be so crazy. And I'm sure that that was planned from the beginning.
1: So it was finally in 8 BBY that she struck gold. Using her force sensitivity, she located Luke floating in space in a damaged X-Wing. Talon card pulled Luke and R2 aboard his ship, which is called the... The Wild Card?
0: <laughs> okay... I'm definitely leaning more towards sucks at this point. <laughs> for talent like, card, talent for, card? For, yeah, it's just for the whole naming scheme. Do you remember that one time we found those off-brand toys at CVS, and it was like this pirate ship set, and it was like Scorpio Morgan and the Tawny Wolfhound?
1: I love that, though. It's, I wish his name was Scorpio Morgan. The ship was called the Tawny, Tawny Wolfhound, Wolfhound. Instead of the Wild Card. Wild
0: Card is a bit lame. Spelled like
1: his last name, too. Very cool. They took him to his base, the planet Mercury, which just happened to be the homeworld of these creatures called Salamiri which are these cute little fuzzy lizards who just happen to be able to block all Force abilities. When wow! They die. Impressive. Mara, of course, wanted to kill Luke immediately, but the new Admiral of the Imperial Remnant named Thrawn had just posted a very high bounty on his head, so Talon Card's like, no, no, no. Oh, so Thrawn's in this, too. Yes, yeah, so this is where Thrawn comes in. So Talon Card's like, no, 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 we gotta turn him in, we gotta make some money, Mara. Come on, girl. Just so happens that Thrawn also came to Mirakir to collect more of Isalamiri, they're his mm-hmm. favorite animal. He had a bunch of them in his collect. card was distracted by this. Luke managed to escape from Taloncard's clutches into the jungle on a skip-ray blast boat. But Mara Jade made chase. So they ended up crashing in the middle of the Vorn Skier hunting grounds. Now, Vorn Skier are these vicious space dogs yeah. who hunt force-sensitive people. They can read them and hunt them. On skis? On skis. On skis. Vornskier are <laughs> like These dog
0: patrols, they're like those St. Bernards that have like the barrels of whiskey or whatever around their neck, but they're also on skis and they're chasing you down to kill you.
1: Exactly. So in case you have a nose between the Isalamiri and Vornskier. This planet's like the worst place ever for Force users.
0: Yeah, like, why does this, like, this sucks? It's like this planet evolved to yeah.
1: suck. So, as two Force users with no Force abilities, hunted by Force sensitive wolves, Luke and Mara were forced to work together to make their way to civilization.
0: Oh, and I bet they fell in love. Not
1: just yet. Oh, okay. Mara made it very clear that she intended to kill Luke as soon as they reached civilization. Okay, and he's so like, one, I'm good with that. It's so one of those, like, kind of romancing the stone situations where, like, they really hate each other. I mean, Luke probably doesn't hate her, but Mara's like, oh, I'm gonna murder you, Luke! Look out of this, I'm gonna kill you! Yeah. So they made it to civilization, just in time for Lando and Han to show up, sort of Talon cards dudes in a squad of Thrawn's stormtroopers. So it's like a three-way battle right now. Oh. In the chaos, Luke was able to escape with his buddies, and Mara got away with Talon card. Okay. And they both separated. It's different parts. So she
0: did not kill him, in fact.
1: She did not. The battle broke out before she could.
0: Okay. Well, that was fortunate. The
1: mission is still burned into her head, but she didn't complete it yet.
0: Now I have a question. Yes. If this is a Romancing the Stone situation, who is Danny DeVito? Is Talon Card Danny DeVito? Absolutely. Danny DeVito is the best part of her existence. I think, this he, I think like, Talon Card. By far. Yeah, I, I
1: agree. I agree. I think okay. Talon Card is Danny DeVito. Thrawn was able to track the smugglers and capture the wild card easily. Mara offered her, her Emperor hand service to him in exchange for amnesty for all of Talon Card's boys. And Thrawn's like, okay, sure, that sounds good. So Thrawn agreed. He's like, that'd be cool to have Emperor's hand. That rules. But then he double crossed her immediately by capturing Card anyway. <laughs> okay, cool. I guess he didn't rule hard enough. So this pissed Mara off big time.
0: Yeah. She, Understandably. Wanted, she wanted
1: to bust her former boss out of the Imperial Brig, but it was heavily guarded. She knew she couldn't do it alone. So she took a Yassalamir, hopped yep. in a ship, and went looking for Luke. With a little friend. With a little friend. To block the Force abilities. Aha!
0: Right? Does it block the Force abilities? Is it an area effect? Mm-hmm. It's like a bubble. Oh, it is. Okay, I thought it was like literally just the lizard. It's like
1: a 10-foot radius, yeah. It's oh, like wow. Cool. Pretty strong, right? She found him training with this crazy dark Jedi named Joris Kabalf. She first came across r d 2 and convinced him that Cabalth is actually a super evil guy and probably working for the Empire. She convinced r d 2 How do you convince a droid of anything? Because R2-D2 tried to shoot her with his little, little zapper. Yeah. Said, no, 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 listen. Balth is evil. He actually is. He actually is working for the Empire. Oh. He's actually not like a, a Jedi master. He's a Jedi master, but he's a crazy old dark Jedi. So she
0: wasn't lying. She
1: wasn't lying. Okay. r d 2 led her to Luke's and Cabalth's training camp. After a brief battle that she, of course, won, because she's awesome, Mara wanted to kill Kabalf, but Luke stayed her hand and, in turn, agreed to help her rescue Talon Card from Thrawn. The dead zone is really cool. I mean, that's all there is to it. It was just
0: very cool. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: like this whole story. Like, Mara J did a thing, and it was very cool. Now, a short while later, after Talon Card's dudes got into a space fight, Mara was stranded in space after being shot with an ion cannon. Her ship was drifting dead. Fortunately, Luke sensed her and showed up just in time before she died of exposure. Okay. Nice guy.
0: Yeah, that's a keeper.
1: Now these crazy kids keep meeting up, but they keep on uh, killing each other. What the heck's going on, right? It's weird. Luke took her to Coruscant to get nerve regeneration therapy because her, her fingers are all frozen and stuff. Okay. Uh, um, well, in why,
0: why didn't he get that? Oh, because he's got cut off and lost. <laughs> you can't really regenerate
1: a whole hand, Joanna.
0: Why not? If you can regenerate nerves, you can regenerate a whole hand. Good point. Tell me where the where exactly are the limits of their technology?
1: Wherever the story says it is. Okay. Skywalker eventually realized that Jade was not acting so much of her own volition as she was <coughs> following Palpatine's telepathic commands still. Jade also came to realize that she was being used to inflict a last bit of revenge upon the dead Darth Vader by killing his son. Sure. Skywalker promised to help her remove the command, even though being near her was obviously very dangerous. for looks a good guy. On a mission together to destroy one of Thrawn's cloning facilities, they encountered Joris Cabalth again. The Dark Jedi old man. This time though, he was assisted by Luke's evil clone, Luke!
0: Luke! OH with the two U's! Yes! Luke!
1: It was a tough battle, but in the end, Mara borrowed Leia's lightsaber to kill Luke. Yeah. Which conveniently fulfilled the Emperor's final command to kill Luke Skywalker.
0: Because, I mean, he is Luke Skywalker. He's, he's a clone. Oh, well, he's Luke Skywalker. But he's like, a clone. He's a clone, so how is the prophecy going to know?
1: And immediately upon killing him, the order was gone. It evaporated from her head, and she nice. was free. <laughs> technicality. Yeah, <and> a technicality. Yeah, on a technicality. Cool. After defeating Kabalth and blowing up the cloning facility, Luke gave Mara his father's old lightsaber as a token of friendship. She had a lightsaber now. It was Luke's. It was actually Anakin's lightsaber.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, pretty neat. It's a token of friendship. That's a hell of a friendship.
1: After that, she renounced the dark side of the Force and decided to train in the ways of the Jedi with Luke and became a true friend to the original trilogy gang. There's a ton of books and comics that happen in between here. Lots of adventures and crises and things like that. But this article is incredibly long, so I'm not going to go through all of them because you would be here forever. So I'm going to skip ahead to the next exciting bit. After all their adventures, Luke and Mara had grown close. During a dangerous situation on the planet Neroon, they admitted their feelings for each other and Luke proposed to Mara.
0: I mean it's kinda like the first guy that she was with after like being brainwashed and used as a tool for years and years, so I wonder if she even really knows what she
1: wants, but Yeah, I always I always wonder like what's she gonna talk about? Like, what? Exactly. Like, they can't be like,
0: oh, dude, you remember that one song back in high school? Oh, you didn't go to high school. because
1: You were being, being trained to be an assassin by the oh, Emperor. Oh, shoot. Like, they have, like, mm. no
0: common ground.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe they find common ground in their adventures and forced stuff. I don't know. Maybe. So, on Coruscant, Leia announced their wedding, which was taken by the press as a symbol of Imperial and New Republic unity. Because people still saw Mary Jade as, like, kind of, like, this former Imperial yeah. enemy figure. To complicate matters further, C-3PO became involved in the wedding planning, resulting in a grandiose ceremony, much to Jade's chagrin.
0: Oh my God! Three he was the fussy like, wedding
1: planner. He's like
0: he's like he's like um Frank from Father. Yes. He's like Martin Short. <laughs> yep, that's him.
1: No, I mean, there's a lot of paragraphs about their wedding. Do you want to hear about it? Yes, I do. As part of the preparations, Jade had to deal with a number of dress designers competing for the design of her wedding dress, ranging from a mask dress to a black dress reminiscent of Imperial Agent's attire, to a minimalist dress that Jade refused to step out of the dressing room in. She grew frustrated and left to go for a walk. On the streets, she met a despondent Twi'lek named Jerichin, who had been seeking to bring her design before Jade, but had been fired by her employer instead. Jade revealed her identity to the designer and was quite impressed with her designs, oh. and commissioned a wedding dress from her. Nice! Okay, helping yeah. someone who's down and out. Shortly after she commissioned her dressmaker, Skywalker and Jade had a private, less formal Jedi wedding ceremony at the Jedi training area that had been established on Coruscant. Joining two halves of a crystal together in the symbol of their union, they are married by Cam Solusar. I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> like, are we supposed to? Uh, maybe. However, Jade was later displeased to find that Skywalker got in a bar fight during his bachelor party. <laughs> oh, no! No, oh, those guys always get so rowdy at their bachelor parties. While Skywalker and his male friends recuperated from the previous night's altercation, Jade and her bridesmaids went to a spa to relax. Oh
0: my gosh, girls love spas. Yeah,
1: girls' not! Night. While there, they grew bored and worked off the stress at the sling ball court, handily defeating a group of pilots from Champion Squadron. Cool. However, all the women made sure not to tell their husbands of that event, as they'd already taken them to task for the bar fight. But I feel like what? Well, I mean, <laughs> but there's we played sling ball. Don't tell. Playing puppies.
0: sling, playing sling ball is yeah. not. It's not. A crime. It's not bi- violent. It's not like
1: you know. Like sling ball not a crime. Sling <laughs> ball. Sling ball or die. <laughs> On the day of her formal wedding, despite an Imperial plot to ruin the wedding by a former moth appearing at the climax of the ceremony, threatening to shut down all communications, Skywalker and his friends were able to prevent any serious altercations. The two exchanged vows and rings and were introduced to the galaxy for the first time as the Skywalkers. After their reception, Han Solo flew the couple to their honeymoon site. She kept <laughs> training with Luke at the Jedi Temple until she was considered a master. More importantly, though, she became the cool aunt to the Solo kids.
0: All right, so told you about
1: the Solo kids a long time ago. Yep. She took them on adventures that their parents didn't approve of. Cool Aunt Mara. Yeah. But during the Yuuzhan Vong invasion, she gave birth to her and Luke's son, Ben Skywalker. 26 ABY is when he was born, so she was 43 years old when she had Ben. She I'm kind of late. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad, right? Yeah. More stuff happened, but like we talked about in the Solo Kids episode, Anakin Solo sacrificed himself to fight the Yuuzhan Vong, Jason Solo turned evil, and Jaina had to fight him. Right. But before that, Mara sensed her nephew was becoming more dark-sided by the day and secretly being trained by her old emperor's hand rival, Lumia, the Dark Lady of the Sith. Oh, we yeah. haven't talked about this lady before. She's kind of peeks in and out of Mara's backstory, but it was kind of most important at the end here. Got it. So she confronted Jason, and he flipped out. Lincoln. Shut up! You're not my mom! Exactly. They started fighting each other with lightsabers, and Mara had the upper hand with her sick assassin training. As she prepared to finish off her opponent, Jason stared into her eyes and instantly created the illusion of Ben's face beneath her by using the Force. No! Causing Mara to hesitate for a split second. Oh my god, go to your room, Jason! Jason used the time to stab a poison dart into her thigh. Jason! Causing a slow, paralyzing, and painless death. She died? Yes. Killed, what? Killed by Jason. What? Her final words expressed not her- Freddie, but Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Her final words expressed her belief that Jason had become worse, more evil and vile than Palpatine, and that Skywalker would defeat him and strike him down. You
0: suck worse than Palpatine.
1: <clears throat> she left her body behind instead of allowing it to become one with the Force to leave evidence of her identity. I didn't realize you had a choice. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. If you know how to do it, she knew how to do it. She said okay. not to. She wanna to- I'm going to leave my body as evidence of who killed me. Yes. And to give something for people to remember me by.
0: Okay. I can have a proper, f- have a pro- proper you know, funeral, you know? Sure.
1: Her last uses of the Force were to whisper in Ben's mind, nice things, and ruffle Skywalker's hair. Aww. Yeah. After her death, she was given a proper Jedi funeral that was attended by many. Ben Skywalker began to actively plot to kill Jason, who is now called Darth Cadus, and Luke hunted down and killed Lumia, the Dark Lady of the Sith. Jane eventually took down her brother, and her Aunt Mara was avenged. Mara Skywalker kept showing up as a Force ghost to guide her son and console her husband in years to come. Okay. So she's still so around. Nice. So, so she's
0: still around, kinda? Yeah. Legends don't die; they just fade away. They
1: just fade away, like Mara Jade.
0: Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. So now she's
1: incredibly legends, right?
0: Yeah, she's incredibly
1: legends. Here's some quick behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, the laid ca- on me. The character of Mara Jade was developed by author Timothy Zahn. He picked the name Mara very deliberately, with the Hebrew word Mara meaning bitterness.
0: Oh, and
1: one of Zahn's dictionaries had discarded woman as a meaning for jade, so just the name Mara Jade was born.
0: Discarded woman? I don't think that that's
1: in some language. It that's must what that must be. Means, it must be right? okay. In a 1997 poll by Star Wars Insider magazine about the fans' favorite Star Wars characters, Mara Jade placed 20th, the highest-ranked character who did not appear in any Star Wars movies.
0: Wow!
1: Yes, she also won a few trading card contests. Where people are like, "What character should we make for the trading card and game?" And they're like, "Mara Jade." And she's like got like 20 times the vote of anyone else. People love Mara so she's Jade. She's major. Yep, her appearance is inspired by a lot of different people, but most commonly it's Shannon McRandall. She's kind of this model who played her at the start for the trading card game. Sure. She had this to say. She's a big, bold character. Strong, self-efficient, beautiful, and smart. Who wouldn't like her? I loved reading about her and was very happy to be asked to portray her. She really set the goal for female characters in Star Wars universe. I liked her best when she was dark-sided, but at least when she was getting married. I thought the fussing over the wedding dress in the comic was a little unlike her. She's the most fun when she was trying to kick Luke's butt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. She does the uh, convention circuit now. Mm-hmm. She finally met Mark Hamill in 2004. No way! Yeah. 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 they should
0: have had like a pretend wedding or had
1: like a photo shoot together it or would something. have been really really cute it also lists that two of her favorite books are The Unbearable Lightness of Bean and How to Be a Bombshell and her favorite Star Wars character is Han Solo okay so
0: I don't know why. when I was at grad school, yeah. So my grad school had like a lot of international students, which was like probably one of the best things about it. Like it was really, really awesome. But for some reason, like a lot of them really loved The Unbearable Lightness of Being, and I don't know why. Like whenever you ask, like, oh, you know, like what's your favorite book in English, You'd be like all oh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, I like,
1: because Mara Jade liked it. <laughs> yeah,
0: almost certainly Mara Jade's reach reaches that far, inspiring generations of people across the globe to read The Unbearable Lightness of Being.
1: So what do you think of Mara Jade? Is she cool or is she a Mary Sue?
0: Kind of both. Okay, so here's my my first thought. Like, I don't know why I want to, like, analyze this somehow, but, like, I feel like I'm not smart enough to properly analyze this. So, there's this Archetype, And we saw it a bunch when we were watching Gundam, where it's, like, this girl without a family who's, like, adopted by the state or some shady authority and turned into a weapon and basically brainwashed. And then she meets a guy and, like, through his love, like, she shakes off the brainwashing. Yeah, rear. yeah, yeah. And in Gundam... <laughs> <laughs> she would almost immediately die as soon as that happened. Yeah, Mar got out of well, it. Mar got out of it, but there's like other, like like for example, like River Tam in, sure, in and Firefly. Yep, like yep. this happens all the time. Like some poor, um, it's usually some very young girl mm-hmm. is like brainwashed and turned into a perfect weapon. I don't know why that's an archetype, and I don't know what that says. I feel like there's got to be some way to like analyze that in terms of what it says about
1: human beings. <laughs> Have you tried TVTropes.org?
0: Ah uh, no, I I make a huge point of not trying <laughs> TV tropes ever, ever. It might have an explanation for you. I mean, I'm sure it's something feminist. Yeah, there's something feminism would have to say about that. I'm just like not smart enough to determine what it would be. Have I, am I onto something here, or am I reaching? I don't know.
1: Tell us on social media.
0: Tell us on social media if you think I'm reaching, or if you think there's something to this, because it's like weird how it pops up so many times, right? Y'all. And I feel like that's kind of the same archetype that they did with, with Mara Jade. She is good at everything. Here's the other thing is she's good at everything at an extremely young age. And this is another thing that pops up in like science fiction, fantasy, mm-hmm. um, YA, stuff. Action, YA stuff, is that you're always good at things at a preposterously, unrealistically young age. And the reason for that is that <laughs> the media is really obsessed with youth and they're not interested in women after age like 23. And so they have to make them preposterously cool at a young age, mm, like yeah. they can't have a realistic where it's like, yes, I know how to do all this stuff because I'm practiced for decades and I'm like 48 years old. They cannot have that because women that age aren't supposed to exist as far as the media is concerned. Mm-hmm. So you have to be like 14 to be like an expert dancer and assassin and mechanic and pirate no, and like all
1: they, these they, things. It kept her going a little while after though, like she, you know, she had a kid at 43. She didn't die for like 20. Well, years she didn't after become that.
0: a mother until she was like, 43, but she was good at everything by the time she was like 20, like good at all her ass kicking stuff. But it kept, they
1: kept, they kept, they kept her story going. Even even after she was they old, they did.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, I do appreciate that. That mitigates it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What is your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think she's kind of too good at everything. But you know, I think Star Wars is a universe that could use a little bit of estrogen. Nowadays. <laughs> yeah, and so she might be like the Mary Sue, good at everything sort of character. But I kind of like her turn from you know an assassin to uh, to a mom and like a, but also still cool. Yeah, know? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it's not like she just becomes a mom and that's it. Like she's still doing other stuff.
1: Right. Right.
0: You know, at the age of. 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. So, for sure. I mean, that's good. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's like kind of a mixed bag. I don't know. What do you think,
1: dear but listeners? Tell us. Also, I have a song I made because I'm extra. about idea, Marjade? About Marjade. I had this idea last night. Is it a filk? You know what? I keep thinking the songs I'm making are filks. I think they're filks,
0: Ryan. Is suddenly
1: Zizor a filk? Suddenly Zizor is such a filk. Oh no. i become everything I hate.
0: But filk isn't necessarily bad. It's just that most filks are not good they're so corny but like like I, we, like I was saying to you earlier um off air what are Weird Al songs but filks they're some be- of them some of them they're better well they elevate it yeah, they do because they're so they're so clever they elevate it and you
1: can elevate it Ryan thank you I don't think this is gonna elevate anywhere near let's take a listen huh he met Mara J down on old tapooine strutting a stuff for the hut she said hey 3PO Tell me, what do you know? Oh. I thought you'd never ask. Itchy, itchy, ya, ya, da, da. Here, itchy, itchy, ya, ya, here. Mocha chocolate, ya, ya. Yeah, yeah. Assassin Lady Mara J. <laughs> Tiva Assassin, Skywalker. C'est quoi? Tiva Assassin, Miss Skywalker. Later she went to kill Black Nebula On orders from Emperor Palpatine Mara used the mind link when he started to speak You will kill Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker killed me here Get revenge on Luke Skywalker Assassin Lady Mara Jade. Jedi assassin, yeah, Skywalker. C'est soi. Jedi assassin, yeah, Skywalker.
0: Mara Jade versus Luke Skywalker. Ready? Fight! You win. Never underestimate my power. Ryan, what I like about this yes. is the fact that you actually took the time to look up. I will assassinate Skywalker tonight, and I will marry
1: Skywalker tonight. I want to keep it accurate. That's
0: like a lot. You want to keep it accurate. I
1: don't. That's think- like a level of commitment I don't think most folk writers put in. I don't know if Mara speaks French, but she doesn't my song. Well, she has to. Really I'm great. proud of you. Thanks. Thank you for always doing the most with these songs. Sorry.
0: Sorry, you don't have to apologize. It's great. Okay, I do the least. I just slapped on like the f-zero theme
1: no that's good though
0: yeah that's awesome you know what else is awesome what's that
1: the worst the worst the worst the worst the worst name challenge oh my goodness joanna i was shocked i were was were you I was were you were you i thought for sure savajo press was awful and a lot of people thought so but not enough people not as many people as voted for Nob. Nob. now he's going forward Into his third week, he's going to be raised to the rafters. If he wins this, well, either way. He's going to either way. Either way. But we have to see if he can win a third time. I think I can knock him out of that box. Yeah, you think so? I don't know. Show me what you got. Okay, I want to talk about a a Jedi whose name is Soon Bates. Soon Bates? Soon Bates. Soon Bates, okay. But he's also a Jedi Master. Yes. Jedi.
0: Oh no! Oh no! Also,
1: Jedi Master Bates.
0: Oh uh, no! I knew exactly where this was going. Are you sure it's pronounced Bates? Are you sure?
1: Yes, because as part of his creation, it was kind of a fill-in name. They thought we they were going to change it later in like one of the comic books. Yes, and they kind of put it in to see if the editor would notice. Editor he, didn't notice. He did not
0: notice. It's like if they made a Jedi Master called Haywood Jablomi. Yep.
1: So Jedi Master Bates. <laughs>
0: Cool. I Master Soon Bates Oh, poor SOB
1: He looks like a nice man <laughs> Doesn't he though? He looks like a nice dignified older gentleman And his name is Master Bates He was killed by General Grievous <laughs>
0: There's no way Nob's gonna beat that There's no way anyone's gonna beat <laughs> Master Bates
1: Well, you can, you can uh, <laughs> vote for one of these names You're
0: gonna vote for Master Bates Almost certainly Really? You think so? (laughs) That's pretty dreadful. I can't believe it didn't come up until now.
1: It's my ace in the hole, Joanna. I had to pull (laughs) it out. Holy
0: cannoli, Ryan. Holy cannoli. All right, guys. So you can vote on Twitter or on Facebook. Just search What's Lightsabers Precious? You can also check out our website, www.whatslightsabersprecious.com, or email us at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com.
1: Yes, you can go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or a rating and let me know about it. So I can draw you as a dang hoblock. Or as Master Bates. Or as
0: Master Bates. Cool. All right. Well, then I think that about does it for this week. Next week, I'm going to dive
1: back into Christopher Tolkien. Cool. And Ryan will figure out later what he's going to do. I'm going to dive into Christopher Tolkien, too. (laughs) We're both going to dive into Christopher. I'm diving down his throat.
0: I'm diving into his head. It's going to be like being John Malkovich, but it's going to be being Christopher Tolkien. I want to be
1: digested by Christopher Tolkien.
0: You want to be bored by Christopher Tolkien? Yeah. Cool, man. Old man guts. This is a side of you I did not need. Yeah, presumably he doesn't digest very well anymore, but... All right then, gang. We'll see you then. Bye!